Just think about all the trash that is out there, all the things that we see, all the things that we hear when we go about our day, just day-to-day life, whether it's being in the workplace or at school or out and about in the community or watching things on TV or seeing things pop up online. Uh, There is so much garbage in the world that we have to counter it with something. And that thing that we need to counter it with is the truth of God's word, that we would be sanctified. It's a word that means to be set apart, sanctified through the word Jesus Christ, sanctified through God's word, the Bible. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today we're looking at John chapter 17, looking at the Lord's great priestly prayer. I titled this, Behold His Glory. It naturally breaks into three parts, verses 1 through 5, the Son prays to His Father, verses 6 through 19, the Son prays for His disciples, and verses 20 through 26, the Son prays for all believers. Because they were not of the world, verses 13 through 19, but now I have come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. They had become so Christ-like that now not only did the world hate Jesus and about ready to put him to death, but the world in turn would also hate those who would follow Jesus. And in many ways, this has not changed in our world today. We have the police out there that they're policing even the content of what's being said. The world hates those who believe in Jesus. But Jesus said, I speak these things in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And Jesus had been returning to this thought of his joy, full joy. Throughout his final discourse, he talked about having this full joy. In John 15, 11, he said, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This Greek word speaks about to make replete. It means to be filled or well supplied with something. In the Greek, it would mean to cram a net full. 
It's kind of like when the disciples caught 156 fish, or 53, what, what does that count? But the nets were tearing, it was so full that to level something up, not to leave anything hollow within it, that our joy would be full. And Jesus had given to them God's word. And because of their faith in him, the world had hated them. But Jesus said, I've done this that they might, not that the world would hate us, but that we would know the full joy of God. Now, over the last few weeks, when talking about persecution in his final discourse, I've been reading about some of the persecution that's been taking place. A few things that happened in the United States, but also more so in Africa and in China. There's a lot that's been going on in China with uh, crosses being torn down, being burned. I'm just so proud of the Christian pastors in China this week. It tells us, this is from ChristianNews.com, September 25th. 344 Chinese pastors sign a statement defining their faith amid violent persecution. According to St. Charles Institute, a group of 344 pastors with the list growing daily have signed a public joint statement titled A Declaration of the Christian Faith. The statement begins with the pastors asserting that both are Chinese and Christians, and that they have been ordained by God to serve as pastors. The letter reads, we are a group of Chinese Christians chosen by the Most High God to be his humble servants, serving as pastors for Christian churches throughout various towns and cities. The statement continues, we believe and are obligated to teach the world that the one true living triune God is the creator of the universe, of the world, and of all people. All men should worship God and not any man or thing. We believe and are obligated to teach the world that all men, from national leaders to beggars and prisoners, have sinned. They will die once and then be judged in righteousness. Apart from the grace and the redemption of God, all men would eternally perish. We believe and are obligated to teach the world that the crucified and risen Jesus is the only head of the global church, the sole savior of all mankind, the everlasting ruler and supreme judge of the universe. To all who repent and believe in him, God will give eternal life and eternal kingdom. The words of 344 Chinese pastors when amidst their government coming and, and destroying their churches and burning their crosses, they take a stand in a communist government, a socialist government. Every time socialism has come into a country, they first attack faith in the church and attempt to destroy the church. And here we have a church that has maintained they're in China, and when the government comes against them, the pastors have now painted a big bullseye on their backs, not only their backs, but their families as well, and their churches to take this stand. Jesus' full joy means believers are willing to stand for him, even amid the persecution of this world. Verses 15 and 16, Jesus says, 
I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Even with the world's hatred against Jesus and his followers, Jesus did not pray that God would take them out of the world, but that, first of all, that God would keep them from the evil one. It reminds us of Matthew 6, 13, that part of the Lord's Prayer that says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. First, that you would keep them from the evil one. And second, that they would be sanctified through God's truth. This word for sanctified, it's a Greek word that means to make holy, uh, to purify or to consecrate. Vines describes it in this way, the acknowledgement of the Lordship of Jesus Christ by making him holy and setting him apart within our hearts. We are sanctified through God's word, and we can see that in two different ways. And the Bible tells us, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. We are sanctified through God's word, Jesus Christ, and we are sanctified through God's word, the Bible that he has given us. It's a sense of Ephesians 5, 26 that says we are washed by the water of God's word. I think that's why it's so important to continually rehearse the word of God, whether it's uh, having a, a scripture verse for the day or sitting down and reading through one or several chapters of God's word, but to allow God's word to wash our minds in this world. Just think about all the trash that is out there, all the things that we see, all the things that we hear. There is so much garbage in the world that we have to counter it with something. And that thing that we need to counter it with is the truth of God's word that we would be sanctified. It's a word that means to be set apart, sanctified through the word, Jesus Christ, sanctified through God's word, the Bible. John 8, 31 and 32 says, Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. To be sanctified by the truth, it's through Jesus Christ that we are set free. 18 and 19 says, As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I have sanctified myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. So just as God the Father sent Jesus into the world, the world hated him, Jesus now sends his eleven into the world those who believed in him. And again, the world would hate them as a result of that. Yet Jesus did not send them out into the world until he had sanctified himself. It speaks about his work on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection in order that he could in turn sanctify those who believed in him, sanctify his followers. Jesus did this for our sake. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that through his poverty we might become rich. And Jesus was sanctified. He was set apart upon the cross 
that we might be sanctified, set apart through faith in him. And finally, Jesus prays for all believers. I, I like this portion of scripture. It just reminds us that when Jesus was preparing to go to the cross, that he had each one of us in mind. He not only prayed for himself, verses 1 through 5, for his disciples, the 11, verses 6 through 19, but he prays for all who would believe in him because of the message and the work of the disciples. He prays for us. Verses 20 and 23, he prays, first of all, that we would be one. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus not only prayed for the eleven, but he prayed for all those who would come to faith as a result of their ministry. We know that when they came out of the upper room on the day of Pentecost, that there was 120 believers at that time. Paul tells us in Corinthians that before Jesus ascended into heaven, that he was seen by 500 brethren at once. And so there were more than just 11. There were more than just 120. We have recorded in scripture at least 500 at one time who had seen the risen Savior. He prays for all who would come to faith as a result of their ministry. And we're part of that. And how wonderful to know that Jesus was thinking of us on that night before he went to the cross. His desire, we would be one, just as he and the Father are one. And unity within the church, it, it stands as a witness to the world that the Father sent his only begotten Son. But also that they would have glory. Verse 22, the glory which you have gave me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. This word in the Greek for glory, I'm going to give you this Greek word because it may be somewhat familiar to you. It's doxa in the Greek. And we get the sense of, uh, we're going to sing it as we close out a hymn. It's a very short chorus from the 1600s that simply is titled doxology. And it's where we get that word doxa from. Doxology, it speaks about reputation, fame, or honor. And Jesus had received glory from his Father, and he in turn gives that glory to his church. Jesus will also receive honor and glory uh, from his creation forever. But he should receive that honor and glory, that doxa from his church. Hebrews 1.3 says, Who being in the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus Christ, being in the brightness of the glory of God the Father, the express image of God the Father, Jesus saying that we would be one just as he and his Father are one. And his purpose, that we would know the unity, but also that the world might believe that God had sent Jesus. You know, sadly, in our world today, it's the disunity of the church that has often kept the world from believing in Jesus. 
Verse 23 tells us, And I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So Jesus also desired that through his doxa, through his glory, that we would be made perfect in one. That word for perfect in the Greek speaks about to bring to an end by completing or perfecting. Now, ultimately, God will bring us to that place of perfection. It will not be in this, uh, in our human bodies. We could probably testify to that, right? Just as we get older, we realize that these bodies, more and more, each passing day, they are not perfect. But the Lord will bring us to that place of perfection by completing or perfecting. The importance of our unity is to be a testimony to the world of God's love toward us. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates his own love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he's bringing us that to that place of perfection, but also that we may behold his glory. And Jesus says he now closes out his prayer in verse 24. He said, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave to me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given to me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. Jesus's desire that we would behold his glory. And I know that we can get a glimpse of that in worship sometimes, but ultimately that will not take place until we are with the Lord in heaven at the throne room of God where we will behold the glory of God the Father and God the Son. But notice that Jesus said, this glory which he had had, whom God had loved him before the foundation of the world. That before, as I said earlier, before God said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, or before God said, let there be, whatever it might be, let there be light, let there be a firmament, whatever those words were, God the Father and God the Son were together in heaven's glory. And perhaps God created the heavens and the earth and all that is in it that we might know this great love that they have toward one another. The New Testament, it speaks about uh, different Greek words being used for love. This particular Greek word that we find that speaks about the Father loving Jesus before the foundation of the world is not a phileo love, which speaks about a, a brotherly love, but it is a gape love. I describe this as a love that expects nothing in return. And God displayed his agape love toward us by sending his only begotten son to die for our sins. And yet before God created the heavens and the earth, he knew that he would send his son, whose coming was foreordained before the foundation of the earth. That's the amazing thing. You know, uh, Jehovah's Witness, as Pastor Kevin mentioned when he was reading through the Psalms, they speak about Jesus being one of the angels, a brother of Lucifer, 
but not the Son of God, not solely and separate. But here we discover that Jesus, being the Son of God, foreordained before the foundations of the world. 1 Peter 1.20, he was indeed foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest, revealed in these last times for you. That Jesus Christ, separate and above all creation, in fact, Jesus being the creator, that he's holding this world together. Verse 25 and 26, he says, O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you have sent me. I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. As Jesus closes out this prayer, he recognizes that although the world does not know God the Father, his disciples understood that God had sent Jesus to them. Therefore, Jesus declared his Father's name to them in order that the same love, this agape love, that love with which God the Father loves Jesus might also be in us. Isn't that something to think about? I know in families that uh, families can have when there's more than one child and it, grandchild, great-grandchildren, there can be favorites. It's not right, but that's how life is. There can be favorites. You know it's true. And we think of God the Father and Jesus his Son and we think of the love that God has for his son, Jesus. And we think that there's nothing that could compare to this. And Jesus actually prays that we would experience that same love. The same love that God has toward his son, Jesus, that we would know it as well. That's something to think about. Because we know ourselves. And we could perhaps come to the Lord in prayer thinking, Lord, there's no way that you could love me. Because you know the things that I've done. In fact, Lord, you know the things that you haven't even showed me yet. But I know enough of myself knowing that, Lord, you have no good reason to love me. But it's not just that God so loved the world, but it's the same love that he had toward the Father, Jesus said in verse 26. That the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The same love that God has toward Jesus Jesus prays that we would experience that same love that comes from God. I don't know about you, but that's pretty exciting to think about. It puts us in that place of, hey, kick off the shoes. We're on holy ground. Ephesians 2.4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he has loved us, verse 5, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. Jesus wants us to be where he, he is, in heaven, that we might behold his glory. But may I add to that, Jesus wants us to know today that the same love that his Father has toward Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, he wants his church to know and experience that very same love. Father, I just want to close out today. We thank you for this time to be able to look into this great passage of Scripture. 
uh, the most complete prayer of Jesus given to us in the Bible in John 17. And I pray, Lord, that we would just kind of uh, meditate upon these words throughout the coming week. Help us, Lord, to know your love, to know your glory. And Lord, I just want to close by lifting up our brothers and sisters in China. For every pastor who signed this letter to their government, 344 in all, Lord, it's not just their own life. No doubt it's their families, their churches that have also been put on notice. And I pray, Lord, that we, we thank you first and foremost for their boldness. And I pray, Father, that you would be with them and strengthen them. Just because they signed the letter does not mean that persecution will lessen. It could actually increase. So, Father, we know in the pages of Scripture that oftentimes through persecution, the seed of faith grew stronger and stronger. And so, Lord, I just pray for our brothers and sisters. We don't know what's going to come of this, but we thank you for their boldness. Help us to have such boldness in our own country that we live in, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.